Hi, my name is Anda Ginska, and this is Pros and Content. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Notch, a digital content intelligence platform. I'm a massive data nerd who's fallen in love with storytelling. And so on the Pros and Content podcast, we will be featuring a series of really incredible leaders who believe in storytelling and who have different perspectives on the importance, measurement, scalability, and optimization of storytelling. Today I'm joined by a very special guest in a really special setting. Her name is Stephanie Buscemi and she's the Chief Marketing Officer and Senior Vice President at Salesforce. She's responsible for marketing strategy, operations and execution across the full spectrum of products and services globally. The reason why we did this in a really special setting is because of what's happening in the world right now. As you all know, we're at this interesting inflection point where we can't really hang out with each other. So we had to continue creating this content, especially at a time when content is so important in reaching people and making sure that we are reaching them in a human way. And so this will be our first remote recording, probably the first of many to come. Um, apologies in advance if the sound quality isn't great, but I promise that we make up for that in the content quality. This is probably one of the most applicable and useful conversations that I've had on the topic of content in the context of B2B marketing. And you'll hear from Stephanie about how she thinks about marrying the head and the heart when it comes to creating and scaling content organizations. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Stephanie. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a very special edition of Pros and Content. It's actually the first podcast episode that we're recording remotely, and we're doing so because we're living in the middle of a really interesting time for the world. I'm sure you've all heard of COVID-19, um, and it's imposed restrictions in terms of being in person, um, but we didn't want to delay this episode because we really wanted to make sure we have a conversation with Stephanie, who's the CMO of Salesforce. Welcome, Stephanie. Thanks. It's great to be with you. So we are having this conversation at a really interesting, pivotal time in the world. Um, I think, you know, your guess, my guess is as good as any in terms of what's going to happen next. But I wanted to jump in by acknowledging that, um, at least on our side, we're seeing that the role of content has only grown in its importance. And I just wanted to start by asking you, how, how are you guys thinking about it at Salesforce? What do you think the role of content will become as we enter this world where we're going to just not be able to connect in person. Um, how are you guys thinking about digital in this new age? I would say digital is important now more than ever. Um, just how we're connecting here today. You know, I think under normal circumstances, you and I would, would have likely been in the same room together. And I just, yep. th I'm so thankful for yep. what we do have with digital today. That's allowing us to, do record this podcast together to talk to my el elderly mother, to stay in touch with mm. family and friends and mm. my colleagues and stay connected. So I, I think it's going to become increasingly important. Uh, content to me, a, a cornerstone of content is stor good storytelling. And I think, you know, in crisis, uh, people need to feel connected and, and feel supported. And I think that there are amazing stories that we can share with one another right now and tell. Um, I've just been so proud of the work of everyone at Salesforce and just in our wider community, our partners, 
um, our customers of how people are rallying and coming together and finding solutions, uh, whether that's how to continue to run their business effectively, whether that's to uh, do local outreach and help people within their local community. And so I think content's going to become increasingly important because we need to keep these stories out and, and keep people connected um, a lot. While digital allows us to tell that stories, some people can feel isolated right now and alone. And I just mm. think the power of content mm. is to reach out to people and keep people feeling connected and feel, feeling hopeful and inspired during this time. And feeling human in a world where we're all so isolated. Um, I, I completely agree with you. I think it's it's about that powerful human emotional storytelling now more than ever. Um, and, you know, we're coming out of a an era where so many brands, like I remember we were together at CES, everyone was talking about brand purpose, right? And I think now is the time where brands can actually finally bring that to life and, and really prove that, um, they are putting actions behind their words. Um, and on that note, I've actually been extremely impressed with what I've seen come out of um, Salesforce. I I obviously track, uh, me and the rest of the technology world track Mark's Twitter account and all the different things you guys have done, offered software for free across the board for um, a bunch of the just kind of software tools that would enable teams to work more effectively in a distributed manner. Um, so it really does feel like when you guys talk about how you want to do good in the world, you actually mean it, especially when you come out and do these things in, in times of crises. Uh, what are some of the other things that, that you're thinking about doing or you've done so far to support the world during a time like this? Yeah, we've uh, stood up uh, a central committee that is really just kind of the clearinghouse, for lack of a better term, of all the requests being come in, coming into us. We have... Um, requests coming into us from the nonprofit community, from our customers, from politicians, from employees. And we are literally meeting every morning and going through all of the asks. And our guiding principle throughout this is to be humble and to be helpful. Uh, and so we're 100% focused on getting our community through this crisis um, and we're figuring out ways, whether that's through continuing to give more product to people who need product right now. We're being, when we talk about product, we're thinking not just giving people licenses for free, but what else do they need? Um, do they need the education from Trailhead on how, how to use it? Uh, do they need uh, a, a consulting architect to help them for free right now? What are the things they need? We're also looking at customers and saying, Here's all the product you do have today, and here's ways that you can leverage your existing investments to help you through this crisis. So um, we're trying to get the product into people's hands and up and actionable for them. Um, everything right now is about what can be most actionable to help them through the situation right now. Uh, we're putting together a small and medium business uh, sort of productivity package that will be coming out hmm. in the coming days um, to give them That's awesome. free um, what they need. We're working on the Salesforce platform right now. Uh, a partner built an application to called Save Our Faves, which is mm -hmm. um, basically going to all the small and medium businesses, restaurants and shops and saying, 
if you offer gift cards right now, we'll put you on on this uh, app here and getting people to go buy the gift cards. Because if you really think about it, the gift cards are mini loans. And totally. we'll, we'll get them later in the form of lattes and pasta and pizza and all that. Right. But that could really help these small business owners wear the storm if all of us go out there and we're actively as Salesforce helping to promote all these small businesses on this application. Um, so we're really, we're looking at just about every different scenario and possibility. Uh, we stood up over uh, last weekend working uh, with Alphabet and their healthcare group, Verily, in terms of they need uh, our service cloud platform. They need that to be the call center uh, and to help with agents now as they pilot this first uh, set of testing here in the Bay Area. So there is there is nothing that we're not considering right now. And we're really looking at it in terms of what help can it provide and in what time frame. Um, and can we really make the greatest impact with that? And that is 100% the focus of the company right now. Uh, in our marketing, we've shifted and said, you know, is it, it's not in my mind, and I believe, in, and we believe as a company, appropriate right now to be hitting people heavily with direct response, sort of traditional direct response campaigns yeah. and offers. It's like, you know, be true as marketing. Marketing is always about being relevant to your audience and understanding where they're at, all your customers of all different shapes and sizes. And so being relevant to them means not talking to them right now about product offers. It means helping them right now through the here and now of how they get through this. Even some simple things in terms of how, how they run their business digitally. I think sometimes in tech, we take that for granted we're, we're on these types of virtual calls all the time. There's other industries and other businesses where this is a whole new motion and pretty foreign to them. And so we're providing resources to help them with that. Yeah, it's it's such an interesting, you know, at, at our at our very small level and in, within the Notch marketing team, we've had so many similar conversations about not being transactional at a time where the world is just hurting um, and going back to, I think what we are trying to see happen in the world, which is the creation of a lot more content, <laughs> because ultimately that's how you create that emotional connection and that value exchange with the customer right now. No one wants to be slapped over the face with demand gen and banner ads and so on and so forth, especially if they're divorced from what's happening in the world. So I couldn't agree more. I, I would um, give you one more example, which is, you know, a company coming together and making trade-offs, you know, is our money better served right now helping customers change their payment terms and putting our money towards allowing for that uh, rather than putting it on paid banner ads right now? And I would argue yeah. we're better served pulling that spend back and allowing that to, to do things to help our customers. A hundred percent. I think you either build tremendous loyalty with your customer base in a time like this, or you just lose it completely by being transactional when, again, the world, your customers need you more than ever. Um, yeah, we, we came out and said, we're going to offer not for free for all crisis communications. And it's scary. You know, we're a small business, but 
ultimately it just comes down to the fact that we all have a responsibility to help each other. And I think this has been kind of the silver lining of this crisis for me. I just, I've, I feel like I've been surrounded by people and companies trying to step up and do their part. Um, and it's nice to see that we can come together as, as a, as a species, I guess, around the world, um, and be connected by more than just funny TikTok videos. Um, be connected through kind of purpose and action. So that's really cool to see. Um, I, I want to jump into content since we're talking so much about it and obviously very relevant given our conversation and what's happening in today's world. I would love to understand from you, and this, this has changed across, um, across the last two years. It's changed across many different industries, but I would love to understand from you how are you guys thinking about content inside of Salesforce and what it what does it mean and what does it not mean? Um, because different companies have different definitions of it. Yeah, I, I think Salesforce is no exception to everyone else, which is if you look at um, B2B marketing and in particular tech B2B marketing over the last couple of decades, I've participated in over two decades now, um, it was heavily focused on direct response campaigns. And direct response campaigns are still highly effective, but they're to your to your word choice a bit more transactional. You know, it's uh, here's a free trial, do the trial, buy the product, uh, watch a demo video, and it it it's, tends to be more product uh, feature function capability oriented. And we've been making a very big shift over the last two years to not walk away completely from doing direct response. Uh, it does perform, but to invest more in talking about uh, Salesforce's higher purpose. Um, we believe business is a platform for change and we, in everything we do, our initiatives, um, you're probably familiar with our one, one, one model to give 1% of, yeah. of our employees time, 1% of our product and 1% of our equity back into the nonprofit community. And we are now bringing that much more into our marketing and sharing those stories uh, and, 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 and putting that into our content. So I, I would say it's striking a balance in terms of what are the conversations that we're having out there. Um, there's such a desire, particularly in tech right now, to understand is, is tech for good? Uh, can I trust tech? Because we've all seen some examples right. where we can't trust tech. Right. And for Salesforce, that's not lost on us. And we are mm -hmm. basically, we know that if we don't have our customers trust, we really don't have anything. And so we pull back a, a bit on some of the traditional direct response campaigns. And I've reinvested that money uh, into storytelling and, and telling stories that are both head and heart of how people are making change in their business today, um, all aligned back to our core values of trust, of customer success, of equality, and of innovation. And I would say the biggest uh, lever or ways of going about that is to have less of our content be branded content from Salesforce, but to have much more of our content be created through what we call our trailblazers. These trailblazers are innovators in their company, they're tech disruptors, 
um, they're leading edge. I mean, whether they're a CEO or whether they're an admin and IT or whether in the line of business, these are the people that are propelling the future of technology. These are the people who are transforming their businesses and they're doing it together with us. And we really see the trailblazers as the embodiment of our brand. And so I am really looking to shift marketing budget to empower them to go tell stories and what that means. And when I say shift budget, not giving budget to them, but making sure that in all of our formats, whether it's email, whether it's direct response, whether it's video, whether it's social, that they have the space uh, and the platform to tell their stories. We have over 2 million people now as part of our trailblazer community. And I want to empower them to tell the stories. I believe that I don't know the exact time frame, but I just don't think it's going to work anymore to have companies have all their own branded content. I think we have to get a lot more comfortable with putting that into the hands of our community. Those are the most authentic stories um, and yep. investing in our trailblazers. And so I'm spending my money on creating forums to allow them to connect, whether that's in person or online. And then they tell their stories of success and who better than them to tell the stories. Uh, I, I really want to see over a period of time that we continue to have less branded content from Salesforce and more storytelling from our trailblazer community, because I, I just think it's the most authentic and it, it's, it's the best thing that you could have out there hearing from your peer group, how, how they're driving success and that they feel that passionate about the work they're doing together with us to tell that story on their own. Do you, are you envisioning um, Salesforce creating that platform for them to tell that story? Or are you just wanting them to kind of put it out there on social and not even really, you know, have you amplify it? How are you thinking about the balance? Yeah, uh, the answer is both. So today they are doing they feel compelled and they're telling the stories on their own, on their channels. Um, we see that and then we often outreach to them and say, hey, can you come to Dreamforce or can you be part of this world tour or can we, can we record you telling that story and can we amplify it on our channels? Right. Always got to be a dialogue. They've got to, it's got to be authentic. They've got to be comfortable with it. Um, but I would say in almost every case, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to, I feel passionate about this and they want to tell the story. We are creating, uh, we have the, the trailhead community today with over uh, 2 million trailblazers. We are also working to expand uh, our digital platform and community to create more engagement online. And that's something that you can't all see yet because it's, it's, it's not live yet, but we most definitely are working to create that platform. Uh, for them Got to it. be able to have a, a space to communicate. So it sounds like you're more partial, and, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, so you, you contradict what I'm saying if, if this is not correct. It sounds like you want to move away from the like high-level corporate uh, branded content that just talks about how awesome Salesforce is as a brand without really featuring 
the humans who are using it and more into allowing your customers to tell their story and their experience with Salesforce, because that is where kind of the true gold is and the true embodiment of what Salesforce is as a company. Is that fair? It's very fair. And there's so many reasons to do it. One, it, it builds trust. Trust is a core value of ours. People are you know it's an authentic story. They're telling the story. They're amplifying it on their own channel. So it, it's a, it's trust building. And we all know at every moment you're either building trust or maybe breaking trust. And we want to be building it with customers at all times. But also, if you think particular about our industry, it's really important right now because tech companies, there is a crisis of trust. And tech companies can all start to look and sound the same. Yeah. We don't want that. Well, and especially when they talk about purpose, by the way, because um, I think most tech companies talk about how they're doing good in the world in the same way. And so it totally makes sense why the differentiation would be in allowing people to tell their story of the tech company they're working with versus the other way around. I don't want stock photography. I want, yeah. it to, I want everything to be our community represented authentically. Mm. And so, you know, you've been to Dreamforce, as example. When you come to Dreamforce, it doesn't look like any other tech conference. Yeah. You know you're part of something bigger. You know you're part of a community. We always want to be doing a lot to be connecting and celebrating and giving back to our customers, our community, and that's central to everything we do. I feel like we've done that uh, very well with Dreamforce and our events and now want to carry that into our, our digital platform. That makes a lot of sense. I love that. Um, thank you. We'll be right back to prison content after this brief message. The Pros and Content Podcast is brought to you by Notch, the content intelligence platform for brands. For a demo and to learn how to best plan, measure, optimize, and benchmark your content marketing strategy, visit us at notch.com. K-N-O-T-C-H dot com. Notch. It's all you'll ever need. I'm, I'm curious. So I know you're a data nerd. I was actually looking over your LinkedIn profile again before the recording, and you really did come up through the data track, which is somewhat unusual for a marketer. I feel like most marketers that I talk to have usually come up through the creative track or the media track. So I would love to hear first a little bit about that background and how you went from data nerd to believing in the power of storytelling and uh, creative. Um, and then separately, I'll ask you a follow-up question, but just curious to understand as we think about, especially tech companies being so demand gen led, so transactional um, and coming from that, how do you re-engineer and rewire the mentality of the marketing org to be more kind of brand and emotion driven? So let's start with your background first, and then we'll get to the hard question. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, so yes, it is true. Uh, early in my career, I started working with companies that actually sold and focused on uh, analytic and business intelligence software. And what I loved about it early on is that it levels the playing field, because if you are leveraging data and insights, you can go in and have a really powerful conversation. And for me, as a young woman, 
getting promoted and, and really growing in my role very quickly, I found that being able to use analytics and insight to be the most powerful thing because it didn't matter what my age was. It didn't matter what my gender was. Um, I could really drive a business conversation about how marketing could drive value. And, you know, there's a saying that in marketing, like, or it's not just marketing, but in general, a saying that, you know, you either make it or you sell it. And if you don't do either, you're fat in an organization. <laughs> yep. And I've always been really sensitive to that um, because I know that marketing can just be seen as a cost center. Yep. I have found that data and analytics are super empowering um, because it allows me to go in and leverage businesses like Notch to go back and be able to have a conversation with our CFO at Salesforce and many other companies and be able to have a conversation to say, look at if you invest a dollar in marketing, this is what you can expect in terms of the return. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, it's been personally uh, very gratifying to me and has helped me. Um, I then came to Salesforce to actually help Salesforce launch and get into the analytics space. So when I joined in 2014, Salesforce uh, had had some attempts in analytics, I would say, prior, but got very serious about it. And I came in to launch our analytics cloud business. Uh, And it's just been super rewarding to watch Salesforce become a company that really uses data and analytics to drive the decision-making, to inform everything that we do. And I look at our acquisition of Tableau uh, in the last year as a proof point of our commitment uh, to the analytics space of how, just how Mm -hmm. powerful we see it is. And so I, I look at it and go, you marry that with emotional connection. I don't think it's just head or just heart. I think it's, as a CMO, striking that perfect balance. Um, And I really work hard with the leadership team to do that. It's like I demand and want the data and insights, um, but I also want the conversation. Uh, I want the conversation to understand what's the color underneath that data? What are the things that maybe the numbers aren't telling us? to make our decisions. Yeah. I really love what you said about how data levels the playing field. Um, I think, I mean, and, and you said, especially as a young woman, right? As you're, as you're growing through the ranks when you're a content marketer to, and, and a marketer in general, to have the data to really sit in front of anyone from CFO to CEO to peer and talk about the same thing and be able to defend your work, that's, that is really empowering. I think a lot of marketers who actually came up probably through a different track might think of data as threatening. Um, but I really like that idea of just using it as, as a weapon to level the play field. I, I really like that. So thank you for that. Um, on, on that note and the idea of both getting the data and the insights, but also making sure that there's that emotional connection. Um, I, as you know, I, fundamentally believe in this you know we we've built somewhat of a decent business being able to kind of measure emotion because we think it's so important but how do you how do you think about rewiring some of that b2b marketing mentality that says i don't care about this unless it's a lead coming out of it 
into no there needs to be an emotional connection actually guys it's gonna take some time to go from a cold lead to a conversion and during that time we need to measure for different things and engagement's one of them how do you change that narrative both in terms of the marketing team but then how do you change it with your other stakeholders including the cfo it's a great question i uh i'll start by saying that i do feel privileged at salesforce and that I have a CEO in Mark uh, who truly believes in looking at both head and heart. Uh, he believes in the power of storytelling. He also is somebody that likes to look at numbers, but I feel like he's very balanced in that. Uh, and so I, I think I have a, a great place to have that conversation. And, I, and I'm conscious just talking to other CMOs that sometimes that isn't the case. And I've also worked at other companies where uh, it was either 100% numbers driven or it was the other end. It was the story, but there wasn't enough measurement. And I, so I, yep. I, again, I feel privileged that I think I'm working within a company and an executive team that looks at it in a, in a pretty balanced way. That said, I will say when I came to Salesforce in 2014, uh, pipe generation uh, leads were the primary metric um, for marketing. And what we really saw was that every group was compensated in marketing solely on lead generation. And I think we know that from looking at that, that that can create the wrong behavior. Um, while somebody can say, I generated all these leads, I always ask the question, at what cost? Was that a great customer experience? What was that like for the prospect? Um, what, did, what was the narrative that they experienced with Salesforce? And in just anecdotally auditing that over time, I started to see that you know solely incenting the marketers on lead generation uh, caused us to do things that weren't the right things to do and meaning the right things to do, meaning ultimately what is the best customer experience? And it didn't always mm. create the right customer experience. And so really rewiring the marketing organization to say it's more than lead generation. Now we all know you can't uh, manage what you don't measure and their single unit of measurement had been lead gen. So number one was starting with broadening the metric set and evolving mm. the metric set to what I would say is a more modern metric set that's focused on customer experience, that's focused on customer engagement and says, what are all the touch points with the customer? And are we capturing all of those? And are we looking holistically and having an engagement score to understand what that looks like? So that has been the biggest shift is to get people to go and look beyond just the lead, but to really have a holistic view of what is the experience. And then for us to agree upon weighting those, every touch point with the customer is a moment <laughs> that you're either building your brand or you're diminishing your brand. And let's start to score those and understand and get aligned across not just the four walls of marketing, but the entire organization on how, how good of a job did we do in that interaction? Because it's the sum of all of those interactions. It isn't just giving them a lead generation offer. 
And so getting the marketing organization rewired to go, just looking at the marketing data is not enough. One, you need to be compensated and measured on engagement top to bottom, not just a lead, to incent everyone to do the right thing. And two, that means getting out of just the marketing organization and looking at just your lead data or just your social data or just your webinar data, but really looking and understanding what's the interaction in our service, all the service interaction. What is the interaction in billing? We have stood up um, our customer success from one end to the other to really audit and get a true understanding of what is the engagement at every single touch point? How can we make those engagements better? Uh, and then score them so that people can have a complete look of what that is like. It is, I would never try to present it as we're totally out of the woods uh, from just being solely lead gen oriented, but I do feel over the last two years, we've made significant movement launching the new engagement score metric set, which widens it, gets people to start looking, giving people back to data and analytics, giving them, it starts with visibility, giving them the visibility into all those touch points. It's a real lights on moment when a marketer stops looking at just leads and starts looking holistically at a customer experience. The answers are right there on what is the right next step and what are the right things to be doing for the customer when you look at it holistically. I love that. Have you started uh, compensating the marketing team based on the new score or are you just waiting for them to get used to it before you switch their comp models? So we are, the engagement score is effective now. Um, we are still looking at leads and the engagement. The lead will become less weighted Mm. So it become um, not 100% of the incentive compensation and we'll broaden to the engagement score. But right now we're running them in parallel. That's awesome. That's such a good just piece of advice for any B2B marketer. Um, I'm even thinking about ourselves and how we could be changing some of the ways that we're doing things on this front, obviously because of what we do and the fact that we believe in holistic measurement. So it makes a lot of sense. Um, so, So as you're thinking about making these changes in terms of how you define a good customer experience and a good marketer, how are you rolling these changes out operationally from a, I guess, structure of the organization standpoint? So do you have a centralized team that is handling all of this? Um, is Are the scores different for different organizations? You guys obviously have the marketing cloud, the services cloud, the community cloud, et cetera, et cetera. Are you scoring the marketers differently based on the different clouds that they belong to, or is it the same scoring across the board? And is the measurement happening centrally, or is it happening at the level of the different business units or clouds, if you will? Yeah. So the measurement is happening centrally. Um, when I came in in 2014, it was not happening centrally. It was by cloud. I would say one of our biggest uh, moves or transitions over the last couple of years is that our marketing was much more organized top to bottom by individual cloud. Uh, and now we've shifted to centrally 
a lot of people ask which what's what's right central or decentralized and i've i've operated in both environments many times and i always think it's very uh personal to the company and in particular where the company is in its journey and so for salesforce the reason it's important for it to be central right now is if you really look at our growth over 20% growth over the last five years, every quarter, we've been highly acquisitive. The portfolio has grown massively. And so to be by cloud when it was predominantly sales cloud and service cloud uh, as kind of the core products there and then some adjacent products around, that worked. But if you really look now, we have such a robust portfolio that's addressing sales, service, marketing, commerce, and the ultimate value proposition of all of them together is to be able to give you that single view of your customer. I mean, that's the holy grail that we've all been talking about. And we started as a company with Sales Cloud to make connecting with customers easier for salespeople. Then we went to Service Cloud and said, we're gonna make it easy for service people to have a great customer, to create great customer uh, service. Then we went to marketers and said, we're gonna make it easier for you with Marketing Cloud to engage your customers and prospects. The reality is now we have such a robust portfolio to be able to connect across all the touch points that it's really important that we tell the full story because that's what people need right now. That's what we're hearing from our customers, whether the CEO or the CMO or the chief revenue officer. It's like, I can't have all my teams operating in functional silo because they all only have a sliver of a view of the customer. I need you to give me a platform that allows us to have a central view of the customer so that we can make decisions collectively. We're no exception to that at Salesforce. So that's why we've brought the team together centrally. And rather than just do reviews, I mean, things like QBRs, quarterly business reviews, buy each product, buy each cloud, that's not that meaningful anymore because we need to turn the whole business on its side and be looking at the experience end to end across every touch point. And that's how we've reorganized the marketing team to say, let's have content strategists buy our key buyers. So we sell into the office of sales. Let's have a central content strategy team that really works on designing what that engagement is going to look like and then brings together and orchestrates with all the other functional areas of marketing and beyond marketing with our trailhead team, with our service team, with our health and training team to orchestrate that experience. So we definitely are not doing it by cloud anymore. We're looking at it by our audience and not having people creating customer experiences and silo, but mm. actually working through a central content strategy team. By the way, it, as you were talking, I realized it's so meta, right? Like you guys are going out to the world and saying you should have a single view of your customer. And here I am asking you if you're siloing your marketing team. Of course, you're going to try to have a single view of the customer and to kind of live what you preach, right? So it makes a lot of sense. We want to be the best of Salesforce on Salesforce. <laughs> right, right. Of course, it makes a lot of sense. So from a from a content standpoint, it sounds then that 
that both the measurement and the content is all created centrally or, or done centrally, right? I would say it's orchestrated centrally. Uh, okay. And then there are a lot of people, you know, not to sound cliche, but it takes a village. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's all different uh, members of the organization contributing across all different functions of marketing. But I, standing up uh, a central content marketing team to really uh, help design uh, and focus on the content strategy by our key audiences has been really, really helpful to mm -hmm. avoid people doing, it wasn't that people weren't doing great work. They were, but it was in silo and we yep. weren't looking at it enough holistically on how did that all come together? What was that? Yep. What does that look like and feel like? What's the experience for the customer? Yep. And, and two follow-up questions to piggyback on that. The first one is, as you think about all the different stakeholders inside of a customer, the different seniority of these stakeholders. So you go from, you, you mentioned, you know, you have trailblazers who are C-level executives, you, are, you have trailblazers who are, you know, IT professionals. Um, are you segmenting the storytelling by the different level of seniority or by the industry that they specialize in? Or is that also um, centralized for you as a team. I know you have different kind of functional teams and under you, Stephanie. And so I would just love to hear how you're thinking about that. Yeah. So yes, the, the story we're sharing of trailblazers uh, are very specific by audience because obviously we want to, we want to contextualize the value of our offering for each audience. What, a head of sales versus an email marketer practitioner wants and cares about uh, is pretty is pretty different. Uh, so what we do is I always say we bookend uh, every story with the larger narrative, which is that whether you sit in sales or service, marketing, finance, wherever you sit in an organization, to be a customer centric company, you need to have. Uh, a single view of the customer. So it won't matter all of your individual efforts by function if you don't have an orchestrated customer experience. And so we always book in with that. We start with reminding people of that because we believe that is our unique value proposition to bring all of those touch points together. Right. And then we go into, and what does that look like for each audience. What would that look like for someone who's in sales operations? What will that look like for an email marketer? What will enable them to do in their role? How can they do their job better? So again, we're always bookending with the larger, we're all trying to get to the holy grail, the single version of the truth of our customer. Who, who is the customer? How are they interacting with us? And that we all are aligned on who is the customer and what do they want? And then allowing each of these teams to get more specific about the stories we tell to be more most relevant to each individual audience and their priorities. Right, right. That makes a lot of sense. And uh, similarly, how are you guys thinking about that internationally? Are you um, centralizing all content creation in the US or are there similar kind of microcosms of content teams in different geographies? So there are uh, smaller microcosms internationally. 
they are actually working right now to build up more of a central content, uh, a set of content strategists working in continental Europe, in Asia Pacific. Right now we have teams in countries that communicate with one another and we're looking to put greater investment in that uh, mm -hmm. to allow them to move more quickly in their markets. There's a good amount of collaboration between the international teams and the Amer team, but just given proximity, given time of day, we want, we're seeing this to be really effective. And so in my budget, I'm investing in growing uh, the content resources internationally. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you for that. So final question for you. Um, what advice do you have for for younger marketers who are just coming up through the ranks? Maybe some of them are really in storytelling right now. Do you think that you could start your career in storytelling and be en, en route to becoming a CMO? And if so, what do you need to do right now? Yeah, I I think at the end of the day, know thy customer. That is the single most powerful thing that you can do. Uh, know the customer and whether you do that through data and analytics and getting your insights there or whether you do it and that every day you pick up the phone and you talk to customers. But the more you know about your customer, um, the better decisions you're going to make. Whether that is you're doing something specific, you're creating a piece of content or you're executing on an event. That is the most powerful thing you can do. Um, that will always ensure your credibility and your trust with your customers. That will open doors for you internally. Nobody is ever going to not listen when you can demonstrate that you really deeply understand, you deeply listen and understand the needs of the customer. I think that's simply the most powerful thing. I would say... Sometimes when I talk to people early in their career, they might get a little bit more focused on um, a, a channel. Like I've seen sort of a channel hype cycle. It was like, well, do I need to be an expert in email or do I need to be an expert in social? TikTok. Uh, you know, <laughs> do I need to? Yeah, exactly. And, and sure, you can go get those skills, but... I would prioritize understanding your customer um, as job one because there's always going to be a channel and there'll always be a channel hype cycle and there'll be something that's hot. And by the way, there's always going to be multiple channels. Um, and I think it's more important to be an expert on your customer so that you can tell them the best stories irregardless of what channel it is. I love that. The hype cycle I think it is especially real for technology companies and is especially real for marketers. And so when you overlap the two, it's even more. I remember when blockchain was everything we talked about for like a, a hot minute there? I certainly <laughs> do. Yeah. It was going to save the world. Like, I, I don't even know what we were doing before blockchain. And look at that. Like, no one's talking about it anymore. So totally agree with you. Um, thank you so much. Honestly, Stephanie, this has been one of the most exciting conversations. You're honestly one of the most thoughtful CMOs that I've had the chance to talk to. And I appreciate the fact that in most of the things you say, I feel like I can take a nugget and pass it on to my marketing team, which means that everyone listening to the podcast is going to get a ton of value out of this. So thank you. Well, I appreciate the time. You uh, inspire me and our marketing team. So it's time oh, well spent. 
Thank you so much, Stephanie. That was my conversation with Stephanie. Um, such an interesting and super applicable conversation for any B2B marketer out there. I don't know about you guys, but I was taking notes throughout that entire thing and just making mental notes to myself to remind our head of marketing, Chris, to act on this or on that insight. A couple of the things that really stood out to me. The first one was this idea that there's no right way to organize around content. Some organizations are going to be decentralized. Others are going to be centralized. And in fact, you might even change the way you want to do that as the company grows. I really like that. I liked it because it acknowledged the fact that there's no one right way to do it. And it also acknowledged the fact that there actually might be different ways that it makes sense for you to organize content based on where you are in your maturity as a company, uh, based on how many products you have, and based on how much of an integrated story you want to tell versus not. Another really big takeaway for me was this idea of making sure your marketing team is compensated based on what you're measuring for. I liked this this quote from Stephanie when she said, you can't manage for what you do not measure. And so her initiative to create the more holistic measurement framework um, to make sure that there's an engagement score there next to that SQL goal, and then also make sure that they're transitioning the compensation of the marketing team over time into a world where there's a weight attached to this engagement score. I thought that was not only, you know, high level ideas about how to do stuff, but very, very actionable insights around how you can take specific metrics and put them into action and make sure that your entire organization is aligned and incentivized to act against them. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Stephanie. And for any feedback that you have, please email me at anda at prosandcontent.co. I would love to hear from you, especially if you'd like to nominate other speakers for us to feature. And if you want to hear more amazing content about the pros and cons of making content or being a better storyteller in today's world, please head to prosandcontent.co for more episodes. The best thing you could do for us is to rate, review, and share the series so we can grow the community and the much-needed conversation around the purpose and importance of brand storytelling. See you next time on Pros and Content.